Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones, every friend, to look inside their hearts and understand that I. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. For you, of uh, our listeners that are part of the U.S., I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, holiday weekend. I know I sure did. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, which is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort. At our core, we believe collaboration <clears throat> is going to let us win the battle against dementia. Um, we were just recognized by Dr. Oz and ShareCare as being the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, and so I have to thank all of you for partaking in that because without you, our voice um, wouldn't be spreading as much as it is. So thank you so much for that. Again, by joining forces, sharing knowledge, and having um, the everyday conversations about life with dementia, I really think we can remove the stigmas attached to memory loss, and we can help people in the trenches take back their lives with purpose. We can also help not only professionals, but family caregivers and those caring for friends and loved ones understand what it's really like to have this disease. Here at Alzheimer's Speaks, we want to give voice to those afflicted with memory loss, their care partners, both family and professionals, as well as advocates. Um, so that we can all live more purpose-filled lives by raising awareness together and sharing the real everyday life stories of living with memory hope, memory loss, we give hope. No longer can we be driven by fear, and together we can teach each other how to live with this disease, not as it. So I really hope that you'll join the conversation today, and you can do that in a couple of different ways. You can call into the show at 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757. Or if you have signed in using chat uh, Facebook, you can use the, the chat box, and I'll be monitoring uh, questions and comments there. Now, our channel expert is Rick Phelps, and Rick has early onset Alzheimer's disease, and I never know if Rick's going to be able to pop into the show or not. As of right now, I don't see him, but if he uh, comes on board, I will definitely pull him in. Rick has been diagnosed with the disease since June of 2010, and he's the founder of Memory People on Facebook, which is just a great support group where people can talk in real time, sharing their ideas, their frustrations, their joys. Um, and just get their questions answered by the lay people um, in the trenches there. Our guests today are just going to be fabulous, so I know you're not going to be disappointed. 
uh, with either of them. I have our first guest is going to be talking about a new book on the market, which is um, for children, which is just fantastic. And then the second half of the show, we are going to be talking about virtual dementia tours. And if you're not familiar with those, you're going to really want to make sure that you listen to this second half because it's an absolutely phenomenal tool to help people understand much better what it's really like to have dementia. I also just wanted to mention that um, if you're looking for clinical trials, you can always go to www.don'tforgetalzheimers.com and there you can get some more information um, because people are always asking me about where do I go um, if I'm interested in checking out uh, a clinical trial for myself or someone who has the disease. So let's go ahead and get into the show. Again, the first half, we are going to be talking with the editor and managing editor of Sky Pony Press. Um, and her name is Julie uh, Matisic, and she is um, she's going to basically talk to us about this book that I am so, so excited about. I, I uh, got a, po- a copy of it, and it's called My New Granny. And the illustrations are absolutely incredible, and the storyline is so cute, and it's really engaging. Julie um, works for Skyhorse Publishing, Inc. Um, in New York City, and she works primarily with children's books. So welcome, Julie. How are you doing today? Thank you, Lori, for having me on the show. I'm doing well. Well, good. I'm also going to... Um, just give some brief background on both the writer and the illustrator of the book because they are not from the U.S. here, and so um, that we weren't able to coordinate the show with them. So Elizabeth Steinkellner was born in 81, and she grew up in southern lower Austria. And for a long time, she wanted nothing more than to be a circus performer. And when she was 12, however, she changed her mind and decided she wanted to become a writer, um, a marine biologist, or a window decorator. And after graduating from high school, she trained as a social worker, and she now writes children's books. And then Michael Rohr was born in 1980, and he also lives in Lower Austria. And he spent his childhood and youth um, in Krems and after high school and community service, he moved to Vienna, where he trained as a social worker. His love of the circus led him to do a circus play and educational work with children and adolescents. And since he can remember, through drawing, um, it has just been one of his favorite um, pastime pleasures. And so uh, Michael did the drawings for the book. And like I said, it's just a Fabulous, fabulous book. So I wanted to um, talk with Julie today and kind of get uh, some information on the backbone of this book. And so why don't we start out first with what was the premise of My New Granny? Can you explain you know, how you came to the title or how, how they came to the title of the book? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the book came from us um, or to us from uh, the Austrian publisher, um, just as a sort of on a whim, and um, you know, instantly we were drawn to uh, the illustrations. As you say, they're absolutely stunning. Um, and so we started reading a, a very rough sample translation that was also submitted with the book. Um, and the title for the book at that time was "The New Granny," 
And, um, you know, we felt that that was, that was cute and, and interesting and we wanted to read a little bit more. And um, so looking through the book, though, you know, you really find out this beautiful story of this little girl, Finney, who um, loves her granny very much. And her granny is well-traveled and she loves to cook and she's very vibrant and very independent. Um, but something happens and, and granny ends up in the hospital and, and after she comes back, she's just not quite the same Um Finney notices that she can't really stay at home anymore, so she comes to move in with uh, Finney and her, her mother and father. And it starts doing some very odd things. She she no longer uses the stove to cook. She um, uses the burners to actually warm her hands. She falls asleep underneath the table. Um, she used to criticize Finney's strange hairdos, but now she loves them. Um, and so it's really about this journey for Finney trying to figure out how can she reconnect with this grandmother who is suffering from dementia um, and and how does she learn to cope with that and also find a, a way to really connect with this new granny. And um, after we had read the sample translation and talked about it, um, all my colleagues and I, uh, we decided that it was a really important book that needed to be out there, really needed to... Um, to get into the hands of, of children and families who are going through, um, you know, this similar situation. Um, and so we changed the title to My New Granny to try to personalize it a little bit more so a child that's reading this with their parent can get a sense that they really have something in common with Finney. I, I like the title My New Granny because it really does personalize it and it uh, it allows everybody in the audience just to bring it home um, and tuck it into their heart a little bit closer and and it just shows um, there's just such a love between Ysini yeah. and, and Granny, and it's just it's so precious, and yeah, it's and so it's a, beautiful. It's, yeah, and I feel like it's a love that obviously has to learn has to change a little bit after after Granny starts um, becoming what Finney calls the new Granny, um, and but it, it's definitely still there. And by the end, I mean they're they're having just as much fun and have just as much of a connection as they ever have. It's just in a little bit of a different way. Yeah, it was it was really fun for me to, to read the book because um, my mom had um, early dementia when my daughter was, uh, you know, just born. And so we kind of struggled with, you know, my mom really wanted to watch Danielle and babysit her, and we weren't really quite sure that that was safe or that that was a, a yeah. good idea. And yet it was something that she just so dearly wanted to do. And so um, we did allow her to watch her for short periods of time, and then I would just always bring the food and so that they didn't have to cook, and I knew that they weren't going to yeah. go anyplace. And I, I can't tell you how many times I would come in and just see the two of them coloring or reading a book, or they were just so intense in in terms of absorbing each other and being in each other's presence. I mean, it just, like, melted my heart every time I saw them together. And, you know, my mom is still alive. My daughter's 24 now, and they still have this incredible closeness that you just, there's no way you could ever break that bond. And so yeah, I, I, exactly. I love what you did with the book um, and in bringing it to life and, and, you know, so that we can share it with more people because I think it's a really scary time for families. And so many times families want to protect their kids 
Yeah. Um, you know, and you know they don't want them to see illness, and they don't want to see death, and that's all part of life. And children come at at illness and death and all those things from such a different angle than we do yeah. because there's su- there's such an innocence, and they're really accepting. And and for the most part, what I have found is they just want to make it work. You know, yeah. they just want to make it work, exactly. and they want to have fun. And, exactly. Um, and it's us as adults that make them scared or make them think yeah. something is wrong. Exactly. And, so, and, and I think that it really shows that in the book, too, when, when Finney is alone with Granny and um, ends up leaving the room after Granny takes a nap. And, and then her mother returns and finds Granny under the table sleeping. And, you know, the mother gets very frustrated with Finney. And Finney doesn't really understand why there's that frustration there. And, and so she, she has a hard time sort of... Um, learning how to deal with that. Who, do, who is she supposed to get angry at? She gets a little bit angry at Granny, but knows that that's not right. Um, and, and I think that's really true. I mean, kids kids don't have the same world knowledge that the adults do. Um, so they are trying to figure out how, how do they react to something in their world that has changed so dramatically or so different from what they were used to. And that's why I think having books like My New Granny and other books that are out there for children to help them understand illness or um, disorders or things like that are very important so that not only the children can learn how is it appropriate to react to these situations, but it also sort of reminds parents that their kids don't necessarily understand um, the complexities of such a disease as dementia or, or whatnot, but that they still are affected by it and there are ways to properly um, introduce that and explain it to them. Yeah, I I like that you said that it it you know helps train the parents and the yeah. adults because it really it really does um, help remove their fear because we're all trying to protect one another. We want to be respectful of the person who has dementia. And we you know want to be careful with our children and what we expose them to. And you know um, yeah. parents kind of carry this burden you know on themselves where it's like if we just let people engage like they've always engaged and maybe they have to adapt things a little bit um maybe they have to not be so structured um and to me that's one of the biggest gifts of this disease is it causes you to be more spontaneous and to be less judgmental and to really have more fun um yeah as an adult and so, now, did um, Michael or Elizabeth or yourself, um, were any of you exposed personally to dementia at all? Was there a history in a family that kind of spurred this story on? Or Yeah, you know, when I when I spoke with Elizabeth, she, she told me that um, she fortunately herself has not had um, direct um, experience with it, but she did have a friend at the time that she decided to write My New Granny. Um, she had a friend whose grandmother was very much like the granny in the story. She was very independent, living on her own. Um, she ended up having a stroke and went into the hospital, and um, when she came back, she needed to move in with um, Elizabeth's friend's family um, for a time before she went into more of a, a social group home. Um, and it became very clear after the stroke that um, the grandmother had probably been suffering from dementia for a while, and it was just um, brought on a bit uh, more strongly after the stroke. And so Elizabeth remembers really seeing what her friend was going through, um, seeing how difficult it was for the family. And, and her friend at the time was 
was not a child. She was she was a bit older, but it still had this impact on her relationship with her grandmother, um, and and all those things. So, so that's why Elizabeth wanted to write this story. She felt like it was something important that families, um, especially families with young children, but really any family, uh, could benefit from. And um, Michael had said that at at one point he. He has had some experience with elderly and handicapped people. He worked at a special care house for for the elderly and um, as well as an institution for mental and physically handicapped people. So when Elizabeth approached him to um, do the illustrations for for the book, he was very excited to do that and to sort of convey this atmosphere that was not too depressing, of course, um, because there's still a lot of life left, um, even, even if someone in your family... Uh, you know, is suffering from Alzheimer's, but um, he did want to try to keep it close to reality so that children reading the book could feel like um, this reflects their situation. Wonderful. Well, I think it's a great idea. Now, as a as a publishing house, um, mm-hmm. have you done many books like this on on Alzheimer's or dementia? Or you know, this um, I believe that this is our first book. Um, it's definitely our first children's book on on the topic, and um, our, our children's imprint is, is quite new. It only was founded in uh, 2011, and our parent company, Skyhorse, uh, which does mainly nonfiction adult books, um, has been very dedicated to getting out a lot of autism awareness books. So my publisher definitely has a, a, a very um, strong feeling that these types of books, whether it's My New Granny or something about... Um, you know, accepting people with disabilities or um, understanding children or adults who have autism, that um, those kinds of books are really important uh, to to have as resources for family, for friends, for caregivers, for educators, um, to to make them more aware that these are real issues that people have to face and, um, you know, that, that they need to have um, some sort of resources no matter what their age is. So we are hoping to do more books um, like My New Granny on Alzheimer's and also on other um, disabilities and and illnesses. Great. So it's nice to hear, you know, of a publisher that really is into kind of a conscious awakening um, to kind of equal things out and remove the fear um, that that paralyzes so many people. You know, it just is very, very spooky. Now, how long has the book been out, Julie? Um, Well, the book came out in September of this year, so it's only been a couple months. Okay, okay, great. Well, we definitely want to help you promote it any any way we can. Have you um, heard any responses back at all from people or...? You know, the responses have been um, slow in coming, but the ones that we have heard have been quite positive, um, not only for the story, but the, the whole package with the illustrations and everything, too. I mean, with, with children's picture books, a lot of the time you'll get comments based on the illustrations or based on the text. Um, but the the response that we have been getting so far has been very positive. I think it's one of those things that is sort of a slow burn because, um, it isn't. It doesn't affect everybody. It isn't a story for everybody. Though I would like to argue that any child should probably read this because, you know, even if your grandparent uh, doesn't develop dementia, I mean, people do get older and, and things change. And um, as Elizabeth had said, you know, even she's noticed with with her grandmother a role reversal where she is now 
the more independent adult, and, and her grandmother, who is now quite old, um, is the one who needs more of the care and is a bit more childlike. So I think in a lot of ways this, this type of book will will have a very good backlist and a long life in the future. Well, and I think it's just a perfect book for the holiday season. Um, so many times people don't know, you know, what to get um, a family who's dealing with this. Um, sure. And this is just such a nice, nice gift because it really it can help not only the child and their relationship with someone with dementia, but it can it can help the rest of the family look at things in a different light, uh, which I think is extremely important. So. Um, I would really encourage people, if you're dealing with this, if you've got young kids really of any age, um, you know, anybody at all with this disease, um, it's it's an uplifting, fun, beautifully done book, easy to read, um, that you can share at any level, and you will, you know, it hits home. Um, it has a message, you know. It's, it's more than just cute drawings. I mean, it really, it really has a, a message of engagement, um, and to not take life so seriously, and and I think um, as adults we'll look at that and go, well, what do you mean? Of course we got to take it seriously, but um, this child and her granny really have a great life lesson to teach us all. And I think especially with, um, and I, I can speak from experience myself here as an adult child with a parent with dementia. You know, I know I got way too serious way too often, you know, trying to be in control of everything. And I missed um, I missed that ability to play. And I realized over the years what a gift it was for, um, for a couple of things. One, to see my mother play as a child, which was just a beautiful, yeah. innocent insight that I didn't have before. And she also taught me how to play. Um, much better in the play box and um and, and really kind of let go of that control and, and be in her world and not take take things so seriously and um it, you know it just builds for stronger connections which is so so absolutely nice um in terms of and we've touched on this a little bit but I want to make sure that I give you an opportunity to add some things for my new sure. granny, um, are there some specific things that you as a publisher and that the, the writer and the um, illustrator had in mind in terms of helping kids understand this disease? Were there, did you have some bullet points of what you wanted to accomplish with this book? You know, yeah, I think that the main thing that we really wanted to accomplish is you, um, and, and I know that the, the author and the illustrator also back up this point, is um, to help children better articulate their feelings and to to be able to express themselves if they are in the situation where they have a grandparent or someone who is close to their family who is suffering from dementia, to really find out a way to express those emotions and to have a very... Um, and just an outlet and a way to to get across their their thoughts about that. I mean, whether it's anger, which we see Finney has a little bit of that, or confusion, and finally acceptance and learning how, like you said, to have fun and to play. Um, I think that that was one thing we really wanted to make sure that um, we get across with this type of book, and um, you know, and and also to let kids and also adults, frankly, know that it's okay at up front to have somewhat ambivalent feelings 
towards this, you know, this grandparent who seems new or different, um, and that you're not alone and there are other children or there's other parents who are dealing with this situation um, and that, you know, you just need to learn to have these mechanisms to cope and find the things that really can connect you with, with that person again. And it might be something totally different from what you had before, but it's not any less significant or important. Um, so those are sort of the author and illustrator's ideas when writing this book, what they wanted to accomplish, also that had been reflected by by myself and, and our publisher. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the, the book does a nice job of expressing those emotions, the highs, the lows, the confusion, yeah. um, in just a really normal um, format that you go, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I know exactly, exactly what Sydney's feeling here, you know, and and what's going on. So, um, and, and so many times I think we're so busy, and again, I'll speak from an adult child uh, with a parent with dementia, we're so busy taking care and controlling the person with dementia, we forget about the rest of the family and how the disease is affecting them because we think we're protecting them from it, and we can't protect them from this disease. This is something that everybody needs to be aware of. Um, We need to remove the, the fear. We have to stop making it something that's taboo, and we just have to have the discussions. Um, so that we can all feel inclusive and purposeful and engaged with the people that we that we love and care for. I mean, it's really a very basic concept, but it's but it's really backwards compared to how many of us, yeah. anyways, here in the U.S. operate. Um, you know, absolutely. So many times, some people view getting Alzheimer's disease almost like that dirty laundry syndrome, where you don't tell others. And yeah. disguise it under we're trying to protect their dignity, but not allowing people to know what's really going on and be able to help and be supportive really isn't very dignified. But we don't look no. at it from that angle. Um, and I think many times it's because we don't even know what we need to help. Um, exactly. So again, and I think that's, a, that's mm-hmm. another thing with, with this book, too, is, um, you know, we hope that shows families that they can ask for help. I mean, in the story, Finney's family has to hire someone to come in and help with Granny once in a while, um, and that's okay. And, and Finney learns that that's, that's all right. Sometimes you do need to ask for help, and I think that that's another thing that's really important about this book is it, it shows that you don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to go through all of this. Like you're saying, you don't have to hide it to try to um, you know spare someone their dignity, that it, it's something that the community and people around you, and especially your family, should know about and be able to be there as a support. Yeah, because a lot of times we shut people out by not informing them. And we mm-hmm. pull back and we stop doing things, and we think it's them who aren't engaging us where, we're, where really we have put up the wall. And we yeah. don't even know we've done it. Um, I, I know I did that myself. I, I've seen that with so many other families. And when you stop and have the conversation, they're like, oh, my gosh. I didn't even know I was doing that, and we don't. And it's always easier to blame the other guy, you know. <laughs> um, of course, <laughs> looking inward at what we might do, what we might do differently. Now, um, Julie, I know we're getting close to our, our end of our time here, but I did want to ask you: Do you think there's a gap in books for children about Alzheimer's and dementia, and um, you know, from what you're seeing out there? Yeah, you know, I think. 
a few years ago, definitely, there was really not that much out there. Um, and in doing some more research on, on what is on the market today, um, at coming out around the same time as My New Granny, it's definitely increasing, and I think that that's a really great sign. Um, you know, whether it's traditional publishers like Skyhorse or others that are putting out books on um, Alzheimer's Awareness for Children, or if it's even um, people that are self-publishing their books, um, and putting them up on Amazon and, and getting the word out there on their own, I do see that this this area is increasing in children's books. And I think that that really shows that there is a need for that. I think parents are finding that um, they need resources to help explain these complex situations to their children in a way that's not going to be frightening to them, but is also going to give them some real information about what what it's going to be like um, when they go and visit their grandparents and, and they don't remember them or they're acting a little um, stranger than they um, think they should be acting. Um, so I think there definitely can be more. I, I would love to see, you know, even medical professionals and, and other resource um, resources for families like this carrying the children's books as well because um, it really does have an effect on, on younger people and, um so I'm hoping in you know in in the months and in years to come that this continues to grow as a field and, and more and more resources are made available. Yeah, it would be a great book. I mean, I would love to even see the book at um, a neurologist, um, you yes. know, or doctors' clinics or, or pediatrics, um, just mm-hmm. you know, as part of the norm, um, just to kind of get exactly. that conversation going and. Um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful book, and it would be nice if if everybody could get one of these books upon diagnosis, um, because I think there's just yeah. so many beautiful lessons. They really, you know, um, Elizabeth and um, Michael just did such a nice, nice job, um, you know, with the I writing agree. and and with the illustration. Um, in this book, and I, I really thank you and Sky Pony Press for for putting it out there and making it available. Now, how do people um, get a hold of the book if they're interested, Julie? Um, yeah, if they're interested, they can go to any um, bookstore and um, either find it on the shelves, or if it's not in stock, you can order a copy. You can um, purchase it online, or you can even contact um, our offices directly. You can just um, that all our contact information is on our website, which is www.skyponypress.com. And um, there's ordering information there, and um, our sales people will be in touch. So there's quite a few different outlets, whatever is easiest for you. Wonderful. And again, the name of the book is My New Granny. I just love that title. And <laughs> you won't be disappointed in the book. It's it's just an absolutely phenomenal phenomenal book fun to read um and i i personally i've read it a couple of times it's just it just kind of makes me smile um when i read it because it's it's just a a, a nice book so i want to again thank you so much um for your time today and if you can please pass on to elizabeth and michael um you know that we really appreciate all the work that they um did making this book a reality um i absolutely it, will is very, very much needed. Well, you have a great day then. And, um, Thank you. You too. Yeah. Any any last comments you want to say to our audience at all before I let you go? 
Um, no, I don't think so. I hope everyone had a nice Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay, well, great. You have a wonderful day, and I'm sure we'll be in touch. Thanks so much, Julie. Thanks. Sounds good, Lori. Bye now. Bye-bye. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our next guest, um, who I am just so excited to have on the show. P.K. Bevel is the founder and CEO of Second Wind Dreams, which is an international nonprofit organization who aims to enhance lives um, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, who aims to enhance lives and um, just it does such neat things. And I'm going to let her talk a little bit more about Second Wind Dreams. But the primary focus of today's show is um, PK also owns Virtual Dementia Tour, which is a company she created, and it is used in 14 different countries in four different languages. It's an absolutely phenomenal tool um, that's used to help sensitize people to the plight of dementia. And in doing so, it really, I think, makes us better care providers. So welcome to the show today. How are you doing, PK? Good morning. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I hope you and your mother had a good Thanksgiving holiday. We did. We did. You know, the best we can do, she's in the nursing home, but I got over to see her several times over the the long week, and um, so it was very, very nice to be able to to engage with her. She's um, very lucky to have you. Can you tell people a little bit more about Second Wind Dreams, and then from there we'll go ahead and really dive into the virtual dementia tour. Sure. Second Wind Dreams. It makes dreams come true for those living in the long-term care continuum. So that's anything from hospice to home health to nursing homes, assisted living, uh, group homes. And the primary goal is to change the perception of aging from one of negativity to one of positive growth and hope. So the dreams that we make come true are as varied as the individual dreamers. Uh, we average two to three dreams a day, somewhere every day. So, uh, so we get uh, we get very humble dreams, like uh, I, I would like to have new curtains for my room, uh, to very eccentric dreams where they would like to um, to go someplace uh, sort of exotic, and we successively approximate that dream uh, to driving an earth mover, and getting a cup holder for their wheelchair. So uh, just in the last several weeks, uh, an elder who is an unbelievable volunteer in her nursing home was in need of a new motorized wheelchair. And I think most of us who are familiar with the long-term care guidelines were unable to get her a motorized wheelchair. Um, So we had someone donate a tricked-out wheelchair with flags and side saddles and uh, covered (laughs) seats and uh, canopy for the rain and you name it, she got it. This week, we'll be making a dream come true for a 100-year-old that will actually be 100 on Christmas Day, and we're going to be successively approximating a trip to New York, complete with videos and skyline and street signs and food and just about anything uh, from New York, um, in addition to uh, Skyping some things and uh, Google Earthing where she used to live and work. Wow. So that's Second Wind Dreams. 
Yeah, it is. It is amazing. It it renews hope for all of us, and uh, I firmly believe that our elders are our future. Our children really aren't our future. Our elders are our future. And if if we uh, philosophically wrap our head around what that means, that then means that in order to prepare for our future, we need to do everything we can do to try to make that future bright and uh, not focus on the negativity and not focus on um, the, the absolutely normal aspects of aging, which we need to celebrate. So uh, Second Wind Dreams attempts to do that. We um, we are serving around 500 elder care communities in the United States and Canada with Second Wind Dreams and have some wonderful partnerships with some great corporations that uh, help the dreams. In fact, uh, one more side note is that we have Second Wind Dreams has what we call our holiday program, Gifts of Light, that actually is kicking off right now. And that program is only for nursing homes. It doesn't uh, doesn't apply to everyone in the long-term care continuum, only nursing homes. And those nursing homes who have wards of the state or elders who have no family left. And we couple shopper elves and delivery elves for Hanukkah, Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day to take gifts to those specific elders, visit them, and get them what they want. So uh, so Gifts of Light is fast and furious right now with hundreds of volunteers and hundreds of gifts and, uh, and the visits that will happen during those special times. So we're very honored to be able to provide that. This will be our 11th year to do that. Second Wind Dreams, I founded in 97. So this will be will be sweet sixteen in January. Wow. Well yeah, what a so what a great, fun. great uh organization. And if people are interested in that, how should they get a hold of you on, on Second Wind? Just secondwind.org. Okay. Keep it simple. I love it. That's well, right, that's right. Let's go and talk about the virtual tour, uh, the virtual dementia tour, because that is, I've personally gone through this a couple of times, and each time I'm just, I'm flabbergasted at how it um, off-centers me and really makes me look at things differently. And, you know, to off-center me with dementia isn't really an easy thing to do because I've been dealing with it for 30 years, you know, with my mom. I've been around it a lot, but it's such a powerful tool, and every time it makes me look at things a little bit different and I get something a little bit different out of it. So I'm going to um, ask you first to explain to our audience what the heck is a virtual dementia tour and, you know, how did this concept come to you? Okay. Uh, first of all, let me thank you sincerely for stepping out of your comfort zone with um, all of the experience you've had with dementia to experience a virtual dementia tour. I think what you do in doing that sets precedence for those professionals who may think to themselves, you know, I know it all. Um, I, I know all about dementia. I don't need to go through something like that. And, in fact, it is critical for someone to go through it, no matter how much they think they know. Um, the virtual dementia, so I, I personally thank you for that. Mm-hmm. The virtual dementia tour is a sensitivity training program, and in concert with your previous uh, guest, 
who is talking about sensitivity, basically, for children and their grandparents or those with dementia. This, too, is sensitivity, and I I, I love how you've coupled our uh, two programs today uh, following that same line. And the virtual dementia tour specifically targets how we can, how we need to become sensitive to what people are going through who have dementia so that we can provide better care. I think as long as uh, dementia is striking four out of five people that you talk to, whether directly or indirectly, this is a disease that we all have to address. Um, not only from an economic perspective, but also from a behavioral perspective. And sadly, if you look at the current research and drugs in trial, which are very few actually, the latest BAP-B drug that didn't make it through the the second to the last clinical trial was really the last one that was closest on the horizon. So it's imperative right now that we begin to address the current situation with Alzheimer's and dementia rather than holding out hope for uh, a cure that's going to come along within the next 15, 20 years. Uh, so that that's a, an important piece of the virtual dementia tour is recognizing, okay, this is what's happening. This is what I see my mother, father, um, residents I'm caring for dealing with. And, huh, I've been through the VDT, and this is why it happens. This is why they have the shuffling gait. This is why they have the downcast eyes. This is why they can't find things that are not immediately available. This is why they can't follow multiple commands or suggestions. And this is why they become clinically depressed, withdrawn, and refuse to get out of their chair. When, when we can answer some of those questions through experience, I think we become better people. And because it takes a great deal of respect for another human being to take the time to walk in their shoes, I believe that that's our only real step to creating a good future for dementia. The I reason, totally agree. And, and then your second question, uh, the way that the virtual dementia tour happened was because I had had it up to my eyeballs with the way that I saw people who are professionals deal with dementia. I've been serving dementia since 1983, and uh, the way that I saw things happening were just insensitive and impatient and uh, jumping to conclusions that I felt might be erroneous. So I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, so it took me many years to finally figure out how I could help people see what uh, they might be experiencing. So the virtual dementia tour actually was my dissertation. Um, I was testing a hypothesis, which was, is it necessary to be sensitized to dementia in order to provide good care? So I wanted to test that hypothesis, and I did that by researching the different modalities of physiological changes that happen in normal aging, and then I coupled that with uh, the areas of impact in the brain through the cell death that create loss of good strategic thinking, executive functioning, if you will, and how I could um, how I could undercut that in a normal person. 
So it took a lot of trial and error, and um, I've published two studies about it. Um, subsequent studies have been published as well. I stand very firm on the reliability and validity of the VDT. I'm not a real fan of changing some of the um, some of the components of the VDT, mainly because they've not been researched. So I'm a purist. Um, and the Virtual Dementia Tour now has, uh, oh, and uh, I, w I would like to mention that the Virtual Dementia Tour, uh, after I did my dissertation and after um, I found that people who had been a part of the clinical study wanted to do the VDT again and again, that's when I developed the kit. And the VDT kit, I then donated to Second Wind Dreams, and Second Wind Dreams takes 87 cents on every dollar to put back into the Dreams program. So the VDT is actually a donation. It's not a separate company. It, the mothership is Second Wind Dreams. The Virtual Dementia Tour is a product of Second Wind Dreams that is um, fully supporting the Dreams program. So we have three components of the VDT. We have the group edition, which is used by hospitals, nursing homes, assisted living, home health, um, any of the elder care industry uh, partners. And then we have the family edition. And I did the family edition specifically because I started getting worried that families aren't really going to leave their own personal comfort zone and go someplace to go through the virtual dementia tour. So we have a special kit for them, for their use. And then we have the community edition, which um, today I'm putting some of the finishing touches on, and that will be released on January 30th of next year. And that, that component is specifically for the outside community, banks, grocery store owners, business owners, chambers of commerce, people who are dealing with the people who have dementia in our outside community. Wonderful. That sounds that sounds absolutely fantastic. Um I liked, you know, many of the things that you said. Um you talked about preparing people and I and I really think once we have a better understanding, we 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 can just be so much more compassionate. Um not only to the person with dementia but towards ourselves as a as a care partner as well. Um, you know, we we can let go of some of the things that we can't control and we can try to, you know, remove some of the triggers um, that will reduce stress on both sides of the aisle there. And I think that's one of the things that people forget about is um, the power of knowledge when it comes yeah. to this disease. And putting your head in the sand, um, you know, it's not going to cut it. It's not going to make it better. And so um, you've done this in a really fun way um you know it, it's very engaging i mean it's very participant oriented um yet you know someone doesn't have to be involved in a group you know and so can you explain to people a little bit of you know if they um did a, a dementia tour what what is that like sure what, what would they expect First of all, I would like to to say that what you're mentioning about control is is right on the target, um, as you mentioned with your previous guest. Um, I think control is a central issue for both parties, but I also think that when um, the caregiver is able to have some hope 
it's easier for them to have control. So when they understand the reasons that their loved one behaves in certain ways or their um, their residents or whoever behaves in a certain way, it kind of gives them hope and understanding. And um, that's that's really it's not to scare anyone. It's not to humiliate anyone. It's not. It it really is an educational tool for hope. So um, the VDT is uh, an experiential program. It's uh, designed so that a person actually goes through a simulation of what it might be like to have dementia. We do a before brief. I wouldn't call it a test, but survey. Then we, using our term, garb them with different uh, things that simulate loss of peripheral vision, which is typical in dementia. You can't approach them from the left or the right. You have to approach them straight on um, because of that part of the brain, the occipital lobe that's damaged. Um, We simulate macular degeneration, uh, the yelling of the rods and cones and the eyes, We couple that with a confusion tape, um, peripheral neuropathy, which is very common, which you get an anticipatory response with people with dementia where they wait to do something a long time because they're anticipating the pain that will happen when they stand up or move. So we simulate that. We also simulate the loss of uh, tactile functioning and the loss of tactile flexibility through uh, gloves. And... Then, uh, of course, key is the environment. We set up the environment to simulate what a living space would be like for someone with dementia. And then we, uh, after garbing, send them into the room with a series of tasks that they're to complete. They're observed at all times by a behavioral observer who tabulates their behavior. And then they leave after a pre-specified period of time and are taken to what we call a comfort room. Uh, where they are given another brief uh, assessment that we compare uh, pre and post to see how their attitude changed. Because obviously we want their attitude to change and we want them to create additional sensitivity. And then um, and then we conduct a wrap-up session with everyone together. Um, that's the group edition. Okay. I know um, when I went through this last time and... and um, it was very different from, I, I want to say I went through two other times. I think I've gone through three times total. Um, oh, wow. But but each experience was different for me. Are there different levels? Or was I um, just picking up on different things? Because this last time seemed very different to me. Ah, well, I think what you're running up against is one of our uh, biggest concerns is people taking the virtual dementia tour and turning it into something it's not. Um, mm-hmm. that what I just described to you is actually how the virtual dementia tour is designed to be conducted. And uh, the tasks have been studied, the intonation of the voices have been studied, uh, everything from beginning to end, as even the placement of items in the room. So, um, so I'm not sure uh, what iteration they might be using, but it is pretty standard. Okay, because someone told me that there were um, a couple of different levels, you know, of different tapes that play. And, um, no. There's hmm. one confusion tape. 
um, or actually it's a CD now that can be downloaded onto an MP3 to make mm. it even easier. Um, but, yeah, there's just one of those. Uh, now, the Family Edition has a different uh, audio track because the families actually garb themselves and then they go through their home and complete the tasks. And, um, you know, it's all inclusive right there. Clearly, you can't do that in a hospital setting or a nursing home setting. And uh, uh, so that's a little bit different. But there aren't there aren't different levels. Okay. Well, and it may just even be the equipment that was used. That could Uh, be. And it may have just been where I was as a person Mm -hmm. in terms Mm -hmm. of taking it, taking it all in. But the last time I took it. I was so confused. I walked out without my purse, and I went down to my room, and it took me like a half an hour to get like resettled in my body again. Mm-hmm. My whole body was just so out of whack um, mm-hmm. from, you know, my from a sensory standpoint. Mm-hmm. And it, I just kind of went, whoa, I, I can't mm-hmm. even imagine mm-hmm. living like that. And, and what what was be. the main takeaway take you got from that, Lori? Um, that as much as I think I know, I don't know anything <laughs> about what it's really like to have this disease and mm-hmm. that I can't jump to conclusions um, mm-hmm. and, and that I have to be, <clears throat> and I really think, excuse me, <laughs> I really think that I, you know, I, I've been pretty good um, with my mom and not necessarily jumping to conclusions and really looking for triggers, but it just made me aware of the environment um, mm-hmm. so much more. And, and by how we can change our environment, how much easier their life could be. Excellent, it really Lori. simple, simple That's- changes that aren't going to affect my life, you know, so it's not going to be like, oh, I don't want to do that because, you know, that's my comfort zone. Um, But things that really are going to make such a huge difference in theirs that there is absolutely no reason we should not all be um, looking at these things seriously from individual households to, you know, commercial communities um, Mm -hmm. and to our private sector as well. You're exactly right. This stuff isn't rocket scientists, but we're we're so fearful of it. It mm-hmm. seems like it that we don't well, want to I'm look honored. at it. I'm honored and, that you had such a great takeaway from that. I'm I'm yeah. very honored to hear that. Yes, and and that's uh, it, there's there are no studies to support how many times uh, a person should go through the virtual dementia tour. In fact, um, that's going to be my next research study. Uh, I've heard the same kinds of comments that you just gave that I get something different out of it every time. So what is the threshold? Um, that's something that we need to learn. How often should staff be exposed? How often should families go through it that are dealing with mm-hmm. this every single day? Uh, those are those are all questions that I can't can't at this point answer, but I, I would like to be able to at some point. Um, I'm completing a study now on uh, how self-reports change how we view dementia, and uh, that one will be published in the spring. So I think there are a lot. There's a lot of studying to do about dementia and sensitivity training. Uh, that um i'm I'm just thrilled to hear your your take home thought after this after this last one it means a great deal 
Well, you know, I guess my thought is <clears throat> is that there shouldn't be a limit to this, and because as you proceed down this journey as a care partner, I don't care if you're a professional or a family, hopefully you're learning things along the way. And as we learn things, <clears throat> our next experience, we're, we're going to analyze it different. And so mm-hmm. we're going to walk away with more things. And and yes. maybe that's just what happened to me. Maybe Maybe I have you know, grown in terms of my learning from one time to another. Um, but it's it, it was such an eye-opener, and it was done in um, such a simple fashion. I mean, I know it's complicated to set up, and um, but, it, I mean, it just it just hits home. Um, mm-hmm. I, there's no way to ignore the power of it. No. There really is. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it's... Um... It's been a fascinating journey for me personally, and it uh, continues to be. And, uh, you know, at Second Wind Dreams, it's, uh, it's, it's our sustainability tool. It uh, keeps our nonprofit, um, or part of what keeps our nonprofit uh, able to make additional dreams come true. So it's a, it's a double, double positive there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, now... You're in, um, you know, several different countries. I think it was, what, 14 countries and four right. different languages? 14. Yes, five. So do people go through, like, a certified trainer, training program to um, be able to be part of this program, or is it something that they purchase and they go ahead and set up? How does that work? Well, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that may be where you're getting the different levels uh, in mm-hmm. your in your uh, conversations. Uh, the kit itself is is a standalone uh, because we know that not everyone can come to every training. We we know that, and we need to get something in people's hands so that in the middle of God knows where uh, they can actually use the tool. That's not recommended. Uh, mm-hmm. What is recommended is that they have the kit and then they attend what we call a facilitator's training. That's a five-hour CEU-approved course that's offered nationwide and in Canada. And the person who has the kit actually goes through it with a certified trainer and they learn the ins and outs and nuances of the feedback session which is critical as well as um, the different ways that the VDT the the way that the VDT is malleable it can be used in different settings but the correct way to do it it's um, so that's the facilitator training if a person wants to become certified to conduct the VDT at conventions and for facilitator trainings and for corporate settings, then they have to ad- attend an additional five-hour workshop. Those are candidates, and uh, they apply for the position. Uh, I personally train 12 a year. I have a colleague who does some trainings throughout the nation as well, but it's just um, – uh, it's important to me to ensure quality control. So those those candidates uh, take um, uh, pre-test, they take a test during the facilitator training, and they also take uh, oral and comprehensive test during the certification training. And then they actually are under contract with Second Wind Dreams to provide the training so that we can um, exercise additional quality control. 
And then this year uh, will be our first year to have the first VDT consortium, and that will be on February 1st here in, in Atlanta. And we're going to be pulling together all the VDT certified trainers over the last four years that are certified, and we will begin doing additional research and looking at different sensitivity modalities and how we can uh, grow the, the positives of sensitivity training in aging uh, even more. Mm-hmm. So those are the those are the two levels of well three actually the user the facilitator trainer and the um, certification train. Okay, wow, you are just doing such incredible incredible work. I just uh, it just is fascinating to me the the ground that you have broken um, and you know how you have really. Um, steadfast in terms of just, you know, keep keep plowing the field um for more improvements uh with our with our dementia care culture. I think it's just absolutely fantastic. And you know, I would like to see have you ever approached like the school districts to get this in? I, I just think this would be fabulous for the school district. We do. We do have it in a number of school districts, um but and then we were currently used there as well as universities. But uh, i got to tell you, our main focus right now is getting people where they are. And mm-hmm. uh, so we, we need to make this as available as possible uh, to the families and to the outside community and to the you know, change agents that are out mm-hmm. there like yourself. And those those are the people that we're targeting right now. And uh, uh, the school systems that are using it are using it well, uh, but we have not gotten it into a countywide curriculum. It's in area agencies on aging required in three states, um, and so that's kind of the kind of the area that we want to continue to place our primary focus on. Okay. Okay. Well, that. That makes sense. I mean, you could you could go after everything and not be yes. as effective or be or be more targeted, which is which is very nice. Um, it's all about you know, focus, isn't it? Yep, yep, that is for sure. Um, can you tell me, you know, through this process with you, what have you, you know, what have been some of the comments from people who have gone through the the training? Um, both as trainers and both as as individuals like myself, has there been anything that's really surprised you? Or I guess the impact of the VDT continues to surprise me. Not not in that it's uh, widely recognized, but it's it's personally uh, when I hear people like you say what you have, uh, it, it it personally tugs at my heartstrings. Um, when I hear directors of nursing say we're changing everything next week, uh, this is, we've not been doing this right at all. And for the families, the most difficult one for me to hear is um, through tears them saying, "I wish I had known." Well, now you do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let's let's cha- let's go f- move forward. Um, and and what are you going to do different when you leave here? Uh, so I guess those are the those are the things I most commonly hear. For the people who go through the facilitator training, uh, the comment usually is uh, you, everybody needs to go through this before they do the VDT. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, that becomes an ethical dilemma for me all the time. Uh, I can't make everybody come to a facilitator training and then not get the VDT 
to uh, to areas that can't afford to get there or just can't get there. So it does become an ethical dilemma for me, but that's the comment from the facilitators. The certified trainers are constantly saying things like, um, this, this needs to be in tourist areas. This needs to be, you know, they they are just on fire with it. And, uh, um, and uh, you know, the sky's the limit. And I'm surrounded by some great people and surrounded by an awesome team and, uh and their commitment to to second wind and uh, the VDT is just it's unmatched. That's wonderful. So I'm learning. I learn a lot from them. Well, you know, I think that's uh, that's how we should all be is open to learning. You know, lifelong yeah, I agree. and improving things. And I think we get stuck when we think we know it all. And like I said, I, even for myself, you know, I kind of poo pooed um, taking this, thinking, oh, I, I you know, I get it. I get it. Sure. And and then it was like, oh my gosh, I so don't get it. <laughs> you know, exactly. There's, there's a, a much deeper level that that this penetrates, and um, just really makes you look at things very, very different. And so I would, you know, encourage. I, I mean, I would love to see every doctor have to go through this program, Amen. and everybody in a clinic. Um, from, I don't care if they're the maintenance person to, you know, the secretary uh, to the nurse or whatever. It's just such powerful, powerful um, information to have. And when you are experiencing it, you know, on a full body level, I mean, Mm -hmm. you've tapped into every sense, you know, Mm -hmm. with this process. I I think it would be, it's impossible for someone to ignore Mm-hmm. Um, the validity, the, 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 I can't say that word, validity. I can't validity. say the word. Validity. validity. Uh, thank you. There I'm you like, go. You can say it. On me. Um, you know, of this of this whole program, because it is just, um, it, it's absolutely incredible. Like I said, when I left this last time, uh, for uh, like 30 minutes, I mean, my whole body had to get reoriented because mm-hmm. of the chatter going on in the head from the headphones and um, you know, just the glasses and being in a darker room. And, I mean, it was just on multiple levels. And then I was replaying all the stuff I did wrong because I wasn't really understanding what it was I was supposed to do anyways. And then to have that, knowing someone's monitoring you and watching you, um, thinking, you know, I, I kind of had this, this guilt going on that I wasn't doing stuff right. And I had a shame that was associated with that as well. And I think that that's really pretty common from what people with dementia tell us, you know, and that's why Absolutely. they pull back and they isolate themselves and they shut down because because of that shame, that fear of not being able to follow a direction or do something right and um, being so severely judged. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so I think it's, uh, again, very, 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 very powerful, powerful stuff. Um, for you yourself, what's been, um, you know, if there was one thing that, that has really changed your life through um, this virtual dementia tour, what would you say that is, PK? Um, can I adjust the question? <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> 
for second wind dreams, uh, the thing, the most powerful lesson for me is the vitality of the human spirit. Um, when I look at the environments that some of these elders are in and yet they uh, will continue to dream and the power of igniting that dream and watching it grow uh, has been not only a humbling experience for me, but something that I feel like is uh, underrated by uh, by most people. Um, I think we we spend a lot of our time uh, spending it on immediate gratification and on uh, things that are um, things that are short lived. And with when we make a dream come true for an elderly person, no matter how small or how large, you can see it ring eternal. And I never expected that. I really didn't. That's not to say that I expected it to be something cute and fluffy. Um, I knew it was it was a big deal, no matter how big or small. But I honestly was not prepared for uh, when our elders with dementia, we call them our sleeping dreamers, uh, wake up when a dream comes true and we watch the miracle happen where they're reliving a past experience that brings them to life and the family gets to see them the way they were many years ago, uh, even if it's just for a brief period of time and the window closes again. Uh, that That's a miracle to me. Uh, the, so the dreams program constantly keeps me <laughs> keeps me grounded and humbled. The, uh, for the virtual dementia tour, um, I walk a fine line between um, feeling like I can't get to it all fast enough and being frustrated with myself because I can't and the line of humility when I watch uh, participants go through the tour and come out the way that you just told me you did. Uh, so the VDT growth experience for me has been a bit different than Second Wind. Sure, and that's um, that's definitely understandable, um, just because of the two very different elements um, that you're mm-hmm. dealing with there. Uh, now you said you've got a new program kind of ro- that's going to roll out this next year. Do you have a, a time frame and a um, and a name for it, or? Yes, it's the community edition of the VDT, okay. and okay. it it is released on January 30th, and okay. uh, the uh, VDT consortium will be on February 1st. All of this information is on our website at secondwind.org, again, or it's, and it's also on our Facebook page, which is Second Wind Dreams, all one word. And uh, you can keep up with the dreams and the virtual dementia tour there. And uh, we also have Twitter and all of those things. But Facebook, you get good pictures and positives. Mm-hmm. If you ever need a shot in the arm, just uh, just go to our Facebook page and you'll get to see dreams happening. Wonderful. Well, is there um, anything else that you wanted to um, talk to our audience about in terms of, of um, what it is you're doing? Well, the, my, the final statement I'd like to make is uh, whoever, all of you in the listening audience, no matter what you think is important to you, nothing is more important than the care and protection of our elders. 
if you could ask them two questions. Huh. Number one, if you could do anything you ever wanted to do, what would that be and make that happen? And number two, if you could have the perfect day, what would that look like and make that happen? If you make a world of difference in your life, life and in theirs. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, one thing that we didn't cover that I did want to um, have you explain, if you still have a moment, is um, uh, are there credits associated with um, with people going through this, like for nursing credits and social social work and things like that for uh, yes. continuing education? Yes. At this point, we are accredited through the National Administrators Board, and we have applied for nursing credit hours and social work credit hours. And what the nurses and social workers have been doing up until we get the final accreditation on that is we give them the objectives, outlines, and bios, and they submit it to their licensing agency for approval. Because mm-hmm. I, I couldn't imagine that, they, that it wouldn't be. Um, yeah, it's criteria. just a long process. Yeah, it's just a long process for nurses and social workers. So, you know, it's another thing that we can we're trying to get to. Yep. Well, wonderful. Well, I am so glad to have had the time with you today. This has just been um, great, great information. And we don't well, have thank any, you for all I, you're I'm doing. Surprised we haven't had any callers or comments on the line, but you just never know. And it is the first day after the holiday. Um, sure. But I know I know that uh, many people will be listening to this um, for a long time uh, forward here um, on the show. Our, our, our archives get tapped all the time, and um, I, like I said, I am just such a huge believer in in what it is you're doing, um, both with the Second Wind Dreams and with your virtual dementia tour. And you're just doing absolutely fabulous, critical work that needs to be done. And and PK, you're making such a huge, huge difference in the world. Um, I don't know if you really know to the extent of of which you've touched people, um, no. because I know for myself, um, every person who I've ever talked to who has gone through this program, um, it, it's not like just going to get credits or going through a process. They cannot not talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so they go back and they share, and they share Good. from a, a an experiential level um, with their own stories um, and have personalized it, um, which I just think gives this tool such a um, huge broad reach, one that you can't document. Um, I, I the, appreciate the, your saying that because it's it just. Um, it just impacts people so strongly, and especially those who, excuse me, my throat is going crazy today with my allergies, but especially those that are in the trenches with this disease with a loved one. Um, I mean, I too have seen people just break down and cry going, oh my gosh, I have been doing this so wrong. I didn't know. I know they told me that, but I just, I didn't, you know, it just doesn't penetrate. Mm-hmm. And so um, what you're doing is what I believe what I do as well, just in a different format, but it, you truly are doing emotional-based training. I mean, you're getting to the hearts and the soul, 
and you're making people experience what this is like or could be like, um, you know, to the to well, thank you. Of, of your ability, and that is just um, so, so needed and such an incredible job, and I'm sure you're tired of me saying that over and over, but <laughs> but I, I just believe in what it is so much, and, and again, for me to... Well, it's right back at you. You're doing an amazing job as well, and it's been a pleasure to spend some time with you today. Yeah. Well, you have a wonderful day. Um, again, Thanks. people can get a hold of you at secondwind.org. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And second the more the merrier. is spelled out. Um, and then yes. you're on Facebook and Twitter and all the, the social media. Absolutely. Do you want to give people a phone number as well, or do you prefer that they just go sure. through the website? Absolutely. They can contact any of us at 678 Four two six seven eight six two four. I'm sorry, that's six seven eight six two four zero five hundred. And uh, we we welcome your calls about either dementia or dreams, and uh, and would love to hear from each and every one of you. Well, great. Well, listen, you have a wonderful day, and I appreciate your time. Thanks. I know how busy you are, so it was not a, uh, it's a pleasure to have a you pleasure. on the show today. Thanks, it's always PK. a pleasure. Take care, Lori. Bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Um, I want to um, thank everyone who has been listening today to the show, and I also want to let you know that um, we do have a Dementia Chats coming up, which is our webinar series, and that it will be this Tuesday um, on the 27th. And so you can get more information from that uh, both on the blog and the, the website. And then um, coming up here, we have Dr. Al Powers is going to be on talking about dementia um, beyond drugs along with Judy Berry from Lakeview Ranch. And um, we've got some incredible guests lined up for uh, December and January. The show is always shaking up. Uh, plus, you can always go and listen to past episodes if you'd like. Those are all archived. And again, I want to um, just remind people that TauRx Therapeutics is running that third clinical trial for Alzheimer's disease. And so you can go to www.don'tforgetalzheimers.com and there, um, there's a video that you can go ahead and watch and it will also um, instruct you how to, how to contact them from there. And if you're feeling frustrated with life, you know, try out our motto. It's about progress, not perfection. Give yourself permission to just do the best you can with the knowledge you have, knowing that you can always improve whatever comes before you in the next moment. Until next time, we will talk soon and have a wonderful week. Bye now. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform. <laughs>